John chapter 12, and verse 20, the Bible says, And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethesda of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and again Andrew and Philip tell Jesus, and Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. We see here this group of Greeks, a group of Gentiles comes in and they said, we would see Jesus. I hope that that's our desire uh, this morning. That if we begin to uh, lose the why we come to church, why we fellowship, why we do what we do as Christians, the reason for it is it's good to see each other, it's good to have fellowship, it's good to encourage each other, but don't take any offense, the reason we come is because of Christ. Amen. The reason we come is because of Him, we would see Him, we would see Him, please Lord, we would see You in our church services, we would see You in our daily lives, we would see You in our homes, at work, we would see Jesus, that would be our goal looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. But we see just a small glimpse here of this group of Gentiles, these Greeks that come in to see Christ. And we know that Christ's teaching and His preaching, He said that He was come to teach and to preach to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He'd come for the nation of Israel as their Messiah. But in John chapter 10 and verse 16 as he was telling us of the good shepherd, he said, Other sheep I have which were not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Now I'm thankful. I'm thankful that what Jesus Christ, the work that He did on Calvary, the work that He did on the cross, was not just for the nation of Israel, but was for whosoever will. It is for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God is just as interested in the souls of the people in Mexico, the souls of the folks in India. Um, uh, Rebecca's dad just got home from Papua New Guinea building a church there, and he was totally in, 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 in building a building mode trying to get this done in six months, but God had other plans. And as they were getting this done, he was telling me how they're going out, uh, some of the pastors there, national pastors, and holding Bible studies in three, four, five other areas where there could be possible churches planted. He said since he went there in July, from July to January, over 50 people accepted Christ. Lord and Savior. Listen, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, black or white. God said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I am thankful that God has made the door open for whosoever will. And that there's more to come. In Revelation chapter 7, he talks about this great multitude that no man could number of nations, of kindreds, of people, of tongues, all standing before the Lamb, clothed in white, washed their robes, made white by the blood of the Lamb. This is those people that come to Christ, he talks about, out of the great tribulation that are yet to come. 
Christ is still doing a work. It's interesting though the, the wording he used here when they come to him. He said the hour is come. We've already studied through John and we looked in John chapter 2 where Jesus said the hour is not yet come. He said it's not time yet for me to be glorified. The hour is not yet come. But he come to a point in his ministry, a point in his life where he said the hour is come that the Son of Man would be glorified. He'd said in John chapter 4, the hour uh, cometh. The hour yet cometh. The hour cometh when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And He said that the Father seeketh such to worship Him. Again, when we come to church, when we come before the Lord, we're coming to worship the name that is above every name. Jesus Christ. He says the hour has come that He be glorified. When you read that, you would almost think that, that uh, His life wasn't already glorious. <laughs> I mean, hadn't He already been living a glorious life? He'd shown His glory throughout His ministry and His power over the weather. I mean, He'd shown His power over the seas and He'd shown His power over disease. He'd shown his power over sickness, uh, I would say that he was pretty glorious in his life. John even said about him, he said, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. His loving character showed glory, but now he's even talking about a greater glory. From glory to glory. He's saying, listen, the fullness of my glory, and this is where we're, this is kind of the message here, the fullness of my glory doesn't come through my, my, my life, but it comes through my death. It came through Christ emptying Himself. Jesus Christ's greatest glory came at a time when He was shamed. Hanging on the cross. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Hold your finger there in John chapter 12, but look in Philippians chapter 2. Familiar passage to you, but one that may be a little hard to put to practice. Philippians 2. Hey, we call ourselves Christians, right? For to be Christ-like, followers of Christ, we would have the mind of Christ. Is that not true? That we would see as Christ sees. That we would speak what He would have us to speak, right? So we'd have that mind of Christ. He said that in verse 5. Let this mind be in you. That's why we need a... That's why Paul tells Christians, brethren... We need a renewed, transformed mind. Naturally, we just don't think right. Is that true? Naturally, we just don't see how He sees. Naturally, we don't have the mind of Christ. Even as Christians. Even as brethren. He said, brethren, I beseech you that you present your body. You still need a transformed, renewed mind through the truth of the Word of God. He says, let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus. 
who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was God. He was equal with God. Made Himself. I think of the verse, humble yourself. Made Himself of no reputation. And took upon Him. You know, that's opposite of what we would do today in this society. I mean, we want to we really put ourselves out there, don't we? As a great reputation. Right? Christ made Himself. He didn't come to build His reputation. He came to be the sacrifice for the sin of the whole world. He came to suffer. That's why Christ came. He came to suffer. He said He made Himself of no reputation and took upon Him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man, men and being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself. Not only did God become man, He just mentioned that in John chapter 12. We just read it. He said the Son of Man. He became man. But even as a man, He then humbled Himself even further, further to be a servant to men. Humbled Himself and became obedient unto what? Death. Even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in 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 things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ humbled Himself. He made Himself of no reputation. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And it's by this humility, by this going low, by this death that He was able to be exalted. Go back to John chapter 12. This is the point. John chapter 12. Jesus said, it's, The hour is come. The Son of Man should be glorified. Verse 24. Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat, a grain of wheat, fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth what? Much fruit. We're talking about being fruitful, bringing forth much fruit. In 2017, he says sometimes the way the way to bring forth fruit is through death. Sometimes, and again, this is a changed mindset. The way up is down. Hey, we want to we want an audience with God. We want to get before God. We want to come in before His throne. Uh, I would say that we should come humbly before the Lord with thankfulness in our heart. He says, uh, it bringeth forth much fruit. Verse 25, He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my Father, what? Honor. It was on the cross, through the cross, by the cross, that Jesus Christ was glorified. 
was on the cross that the scribes and the chief priests, the elders, the Bible says they were mocking Him. And they said to Him, there on the cross before He died, uh, let Him now come down from the cross and we will believe on Him. But the truth of the matter is, if Jesus would have come down from the cross without dying, He would have left nothing else for us to believe in. Listen, sometimes we get caught up into the ethics of Christianity and all these things, and I'm not trying to belittle those, but listen, the doctrine of atonement is far more important. It's far more important. Jesus Christ lived the sinless, perfect life. He was a great example to us. But had He not died, had He not been buried and rose again, we could not have eternal life. It was by that and through that. He was sinless. He could still be alive today, giving us an example. But He said He must die. He told us that. That's the reason He came. is to make the atonement for our sins. He says that in John chapter 12 and verse 32. And if and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, talking about on the cross will draw all men unto Me. He had to die. He had to be put into the ground. Why? To bear much fruit. To bring much fruit. Look at a parallel passage. And again, holding your finger in John 12 and Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Matthew 16 and verse 21. He says, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto His disciples how that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. He said, this is what I must do. This is what I came to do. Then Peter took him and began to what? Rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. You know, Peter's thinking completely. He's just thinking like we would. Think about it. Lord, we don't want you to die. We don't want you to suffer, right? But Christ has said, this is the reason why I came. You think I just came to earth to enjoy the, you know, enjoy the food and the view? No, I came to be the sinless Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. This is the reason why I came. But Peter's thinking he's having the mind like we would, the mind that's not renewed, that's not transformed. Peter took him and said, No, Lord. In verse 23, But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him what? Deny himself. Wow. That's a tough one. We we are born we are born as it just starts out. You've got little kids around, you got babies around. They we as humans don't want to deny ourselves anything, any comfort. Listen, I'm not. We're all in the same. We've got so much comfort and so much 
ease here. We would hate to go without any of it. He says, listen, you deny yourself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he were, shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What a question. What a question. What, what, what profit would it be if we gained everything, if we had everything, if we had every comfort in this life and we still lost our eternal soul? That that atonement had not been made, that salvation had not been made by Jesus Christ. He says back there in John chapter 12, he says, It abide alone, but if it die, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. You think of the loneliness of death. Abideth alone. Jesus said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Right? But what, was the, what is the result now of Christ's death? What is the result of His death, burial, and resurrection? The church, right? The church, He is the head and we are the what? Body. With many members. Is that not true? What, what did that, how did that come about? Through Jesus Christ's death. He's the bridegroom and we're the bride. Become one flesh. We become one with Christ. How? Through His sacrifice. He is the good shepherd and we're the sheep. <laughs> the door is open. How is this made possible? Through His sacrifice for our sins. His atonement, His death, His burial, and His resurrection made it possible to have much fruit. There's no eternal life. There's no spiritual life without the death of Jesus Christ. We have access now to God. We have access now to the Lord in prayer. We can come boldly before His throne of grace. Why? How? Because of Jesus Christ. I believe that sometimes we think too small as Christians, as, as believers. He says... Sometimes we think that to bear much fruit, for us to be fruitful, that we have to do all these, do all these things. But I think that it's not depending upon us to be fruitful, but us depending upon Christ and His finished work for fruitfulness. That's what He says there. Look, in, in John, back to John 12, He says, if it falls, if, if this grain, the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Christ has died. He has gone into the ground. He is risen from the dead. So we can expect as a result of it much fruit. Eternal life brought about by God's saving power through His shed blood. Greater things than these we should expect. Now for us as Christians, 
to follow Him. There's two words that we're probably going to have to understand or put into practice in our life, and that is surrender and sacrifice. These are all part of our sanctification process, the process of God setting us apart for His service. There's a pride in our heart that God, as He begins to work on us, He'll root it out, won't He? Bit by bit. There's rebellion in our heart. God has to root it out. It's got to come out. Why? So that we can be fruitful. We lose it. We lose our life to what? Find it, to gain it. We give it to gain it, to keep it. It's opposite of what we think, isn't it? You know what Paul said? He said uh, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 31, and 1 Corinthians 15 is the passage where Paul, I declare unto you the gospel, right? By which you are saved and wherein you stand the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And because of His death, burial, and resurrection, we have the hope We have the hope ourselves of the resurrection and all these things. But Paul says in the middle of that chapter, he says, I die daily. This surrendering to God, this surrendering. What, what did Christ say? He says uh, to the Father, not my will, but thine be done. I believe that if we begin to walk that and, and, and pray that prayer and have that true, uh, true mindset, the mind of Christ, God, Your will over my will. I'm surrendering my, my ideas, my plans. I'm surrendering it to You. I think that maybe uh, we get less aggravated when things don't go our way, right? <laughs> we get a lot less frustrated <laughs> when things don't go our way. In our culture today, in our society, we're so busy, right? We've got so many things to do. And, and, and you know, you don't come to church to just hear one more list of things that you got to do, right? You're thinking, my goodness, I'm already busy enough. Listen, it's not, it's not necessarily this list of stuff that we have to do. It's just giving over the management and control of our lives to the Lord. Just say, just put, just put a sign on your heart. Under new management, I'm going to still get up and do the routine that I did. I'm going to still go to work. I'm going to still do these things. But I am under God's management. I am, I am going to surrender my life to Him. And if He has me do something else, then it's for my own good. If He has me go a different direction, it's for my own good. This is the life that we saw in, of Paul. He... He, he said he profited in the Jews' religion above many his equals. This was Paul before he knew Christ. He was religious and zealous in his religion. But he gave all that up to walk with Christ and to serve Christ. And later in Paul's ministry, this is what he had to say about what he gave up. He says in Philippians chapter 3, and verse 7 and 8, he says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. And then he says this, yea, doubtless, I count all things, 
but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. He said, listen, I'm all, everything that, that I put all my uh, 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 faith in, all, everything that I put all my uh, passion toward, I count those but lost for Christ. Now God used those Paul's past for his benefit. God used what Paul went through. But he says, all those I'm surrendering for the will and, and to follow Christ and to know Christ. As we close, turn back to Matthew. Turn back to Matthew chapter 16. Just go through those verses one more time. Matthew 16. And verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. This surrender, this surrender that we have for the Lord, there should be a time in our lives there, there should. There should be a time just like you can tell me the day that you accepted the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior. And by the way, if there's not that day when you accepted the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior, today's the day. Amen. Accept it. Amen. Surrender. Uh, surrender your life and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and the forgiveness of sins. But just as there is that day in your life, there should be a time in your life where you surrender your life to Him. You give it to Him and you say, well, once I do that, then is it going to be fine forever? No. Then it's going to have to be renewed probably daily. The Lord, Thy will, uh, not mine. Seeking Him. You say, what will happen from this? And the Lord will be able to bring forth much fruit in our life, and by much fruit, the Father is glorified. What could we give up? Think about this for a second. What could we give up that's temporal to gain something eternal? But then there's the flip side of that. What would we give up that's eternal to try to gain something that's temporal? Listen, be, be a Jacob over an Esau and put the value on the things that are eternal. Put the value on the things that are lasting. Put the value on our walk and our fellowship with Christ. And don't allow anything that cares of this world to stop it, to choke it out. Say, listen, I'm putting Christ first above everything. Everything in my life. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's to take up my cross and follow Him. Let's pray. Lord, Help us. Help us, God. Help us. Help us to surrender to You. Help us to not be afraid of the sacrifice. Uh, Lord, as You sacrificed, You did it for our good. And Lord, help us. Lord, to see the sacrifices that we could make for You, Lord, as bearing much fruit is bringing the greatest joy in our life. Bringing the greatest fulfillment. God, we are convinced through Your Word 
that if we spend our lives trying to please ourselves, that we will be empty, that it won't satisfy, that it can't bring fulfillment. So God, we want to surrender our life for your work, for your service, for your will over ours, and Lord, trusting that that is where the real abundant life will come. Please, Lord, help us to do this daily. Help us to die to ourself. Help us to die to pride. Help us to die to rebellion. Help us to die to just the a natural way of thinking. Take on your mind. Have our minds renewed and transformed. Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray that they would accept you and be born again today. Lord, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and stand as we sing page 42. Page 42. Lord, I need you. Oh, oh, oh.
sometime throughout this week to find a quiet place, maybe in your home or somewhere else, and just get with the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, I am giving myself as a sacrifice to you. How you need me? He said, what is it that the Lord wants from us? He wants you. He wants your heart. If you give that to Him, my goodness, He can do far more with and through us than we could ever do with ourselves. Amen.